Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we think you should have goals, but not stupid ones like ours. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my co-host, Douglas. How are you going, Douglas? I didn't. I've completely forgot that you chose that, and honestly, it could not be more fitting for the journey that we have set ourselves upon. If this is your first time tuning into the 250, we have taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020, and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 185, is Mary and Max. Mary is a lonely eight-year-old girl living in Melbourne, Australia, who by chance becomes pen pals with Max, a 44-year-old from New York. After discussing the intricacies of exotic chocolates, children's television, and where babies come from, the two form a beautiful bond, growing and moving through life together from opposite sides of the globe. Mary and Max was directed and written by Adam Elliott, who, this is kind of his big standout thing. I think everything else he's done has been shorts. Um, yeah. A bit of a theme running. Harvey Crumpet and Ernie Biscuit are the two other <laughs> big ones. Um Big for names in his titles and uh, food surnames, I guess. Yep. Common common threads. Now, I haven't officially watched this before, but I had so much um, deja vu watching this. I think I saw it and then it got turned off or something, right? It's... Well, it was made by SBS, wasn't it? Or it was, like, funded by SBS in Australia. Funded by Screen Australia. Screen Australia. So, I had a very similar experience as well. I, as a child, my grandparents had this film on DVD in their house. And I remember seeing Mary and Max, like, the the, the spine of it in, uh, in the, mm. like, the DVD shelf. And I was like, oh, Mary and Max, that looks interesting. Animated, okay. Like, as a fucking, like, 16, 14-year-old <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, put it on. And then I remember going... This is boring with, like, the first, like, I don't know, five, ten minutes and then turn it off and fucking, I don't know, went and watch Nightmare Before Christmas or some shit like that. But not shit like that. Nightmare Before Christmas is a fun film. But, yeah, it's what it was for me. So I had a very, yeah, similar uh, sense of, like, I've seen bits of this before. I, I, I must have seen an ad for it or something. It's got... Anyway, made in Australia, so it was probably on TV. Correct. Strong. Or sorry, thank you for confirming that. <laughs> I was pretty sure it was made in Australia. I hadn't actually checked. Uh, so, do you know the history behind Adam Elliot himself? No. Adam Elliot. Uh, if you were to go and take a peek at his IMDb page, uh, the first line states that he grew up on a shrimp farm in South Australia. Oh, imagine. And then uh, he studied uh, photography, painting, pottery, etc. And then in uh, the year of our Lord, 1996, he went to uh, VCA, um, the Victorian College of the Arts. Is it the one you went to or is that something else? No, no, no. I was considering going to VCA, though. I think I'd actually applied for VCA for their dance course. Was VCA too cool for you or were you too cool for them? VCA was definitely too cool for me. Uh, oh. I don't think I would have fit in very well with VCA. So <laughs> I was going to say I, where I have been educated, but I don't feel like sharing that information on a podcast <laughs> where uh, we're talking about films. We're not talking about me. But yeah, Adam Elliott, it's just sick. It's nice to see a South Australian directed film. Good shit comes out of 
South Australia. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. Just Australia in general. We we do some cool stuff. <laughs> I was gonna say Mad Max, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, that film's that film's pretty fun. Yeah, but it's yeah. uh, starring our good old pal. <laughs> Wait, Mr. Gibson or? <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that uh, Mad Max one was. I definitely said this on the podcast, but Mad Max one was filmed like ten minutes down the road from me. Yes. It's, yeah. It's wild. How cooked is it? <laughs> yeah. It's that's the thing about Australian films as well is that a lot of stuff is like so close to each other if mm. that makes any sense like Australia is a big country but a lot of it is basically empty yes. and like it's not like you know if a film gets filmed in America it could be anywhere mm. but if it gets filmed in Australia there's like one of six places it's going to be and all those places aren't that big A film gets filmed They're in America it's going to be filmed in Hollywood, LA, or a studio lot, <laughs> or a studio lot in one of those two places. Normally, uh, yeah. So anyway, mm. uh, cool. Yeah, the um, the interceptor I think is the car from Mad Max. Yes, that was just sitting. Literally, the car from Mad Max was sitting in a car yard for years. <laughs> I think it. I think it's been moved, but like ten years, it was just sitting out there wow. in the elements. Just hanging out. That's crazy. So that's the that's the that's the South Australia energy. Yeah, basically. yeah. And I like. I guess it. You know, we. Uh, that definitely had an influence on me on how I uh, saw the film because I knew about that coming into the film that it was directed and written by a South Australian. I was like, okay, this mm. is. You know, I immediately have a little bit more reverence and attachment to it, but. I think even if I didn't know that, I would still find this film to like. There's there's so many very specifically Australian like mm, nods and yeah. tips of the cap where you're like, this is someone's Australian. <laughs> it's one of the best animated recreations of Australia I've ever seen. And without feeling too like, good day, mate. Chuck a shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't pander to an Australian audience. It's it's just very mm. like. Tiny, subtle things like a footy stuck in a rain gutter on a roof. The koala Even hugging the, way the, the mailbox. houses are built. Yeah, yeah. And and that first shot where they're kind of gliding over the suburbs. Mm. Instantly, I was like, "This is Australia." I think the screen Australia hadn't even come up yet. I was like, "Someone here is from Australia." <laughs> whoever whoever composed this, just the way it all feels. I think it's mostly the houses and like the yeah, trees and totally. stuff. The fly screen on the front door, like the fly screen, oh. and then the door. I'm like, Jesus, yeah. it's so country Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, which is. I guess not a merit of the film, one way or the other. But well, it was no, quite but like this is the, one of the very few times I think in ever in the top two hundred fifty where <laughs> we are going to be able to say, yes, this is good representation of a thing because we're we're both Australian. We have the right to say this. <laughs> I was um today. I was talking to one of my partner's friends who's um Irish. I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. It's been a while. I haven't seen him for a while. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's Irish. Okay. I mentioned how we just watched In the Name of the Father. And he's like, oh, I watched that film like eight times at school. Like it was like basically part of the curriculum over there. Wow. Which is crazy. In Ireland or or like just UK, like where he was from or like here in Australia? Oh, probably. Probably. Probably Ireland. He was. He's from Ireland. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. There you go. He went to university there and everything, mm, so mm. so he had this, he probably had a very similar experience that we did mm, mm. <laughs> watching that. We were like, ah, oh. and I think I think the like there's also got to be some like New York Jews in that yeah. 
because there was very specific stuff. Yeah. I forget what the phrase is. I have heard it before. But like, I think it's I think it's just like go with God that he says to like the parcel mm. every time mm. he like puts a parcel mm. in the little um, uh, Hasidic Jew like braids and yeah. like, Orthodox Jew braids. Yeah. That was and. I haven't been in New York. <laughs> yes, yeah, neither <laughs> so have I. So that's that's one that I can I can't comment on as well. But the um, pinch of salt. Mm, but I think I think there was some more of the same thing going on. Yeah, there. well, I think it's. I mean, obviously, without heading too much into spoilers or anything, it it does such a great job of differentiating the two worlds, Mary's world and Max's mm. world, like visually and uh, stylistically. And I don't think I've ever seen a film that has visually portrayed both these places in a way like this before ever let alone animation or live action i've never seen new york like the new york is presented in this film i've never Mm. seen australia as it is presented in this film and it is so wildly creative and stylistic and different but at the same time very what it is you look at it and you go yeah it's new york and then you look at the australian stuff and you go oh yeah that's australia you know it's it it tiptoes the line of like incredibly creative and unique as well as so in like noticeable and Mm. accurate to what we perceive New York and the suburbs of Melbourne. The obvious one on top of just how well everything's constructed is the colour difference they mm. put on everything. Mm. Brown, good choice for Australia. Absolutely. Pure uh, monochrome, probably a good choice for America. A very colourless, yeah, America. The cities over there. Mm. <laughs> and then, yeah, I, I was just kind of, and I think it's this, you know, any kind of claymation that gets to, like, film level is going to be pretty intricate uh, and complex. But this was just so many of the little props were everything, every little thing was was sculpted with, like, a lot of intricacy. And it's the kind of, I don't know, I, I don't think I've complained on it here. I normally hate the trend of adult shows like adult animation everything looking like fucking demented right like i can't handle like big mouth yeah like, they didn't yeah. have to make them that ugly you can have a style i've seen a lot of reviews of big mouth and people saying that's really good but i agree it's just i can't get past that price of entry <laughs> you know i also just don't need a story about teenagers going through puberty yeah. i just don't need that yeah I, uh, th- there are other things I uh, that I could be consuming. Anyway, I don't, I, I don't really like that. It, it seems that a lot of, and you know, this is me giving opinions from my armchair, but I hate how it seems a lot of animators go, well, I need a unique style. And you can have a unique style that's not grotesque. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's used well in here. And it's also the kind of thing where it's not just like we made all the- People look weird and then everything else is kind of a bit standard. It's like everything is very weird, almost in like a Tim Burton-y way yeah. almost. Yeah. I guess like nothing is straight. Mm. <laughs> Everything's like a little gross and it sort of works. It also works with, I guess, I feel like we do have to sort of give this warning before we hit the spoiler zone. Mm. Film is a little grim. Yes. Yeah. It deals with a lot of heavy, heavy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that more in the after the spoilers, but it fits it pretty well the i i didn't hate it somehow wow (laughs) superb normally that absolutely shits me off and i just i'm just cranky about it the entire time additionally this film didn't bum me out it got close there you go 
It got close. Wow. There's some there's some bummers yeah. in it, but something about it. It, I, I think I think it's the comedy. I was going to say it's of- a lot of dark comedy, which is again wholly Australian. I think that uh, if you don't get by on dark comedy, like I think a lot of Australians do, then you're probably going to get pretty severely bummed out by this because you're just like, oh my mm. god, this fucking these poor people. Yeah. But when you lean into the more like yeah the comedic side of it. And you accept that there there is a bit of a laugh to be had here at the expense of another person, a fictional person, mind you. Mm. Uh, then, yeah, it it can have a little bit more. It can be a little bit more palatable to the senses, at least for I think for you and me, because we're very used to black comedy or darker mm, comedy. Yeah, and it seemed like it wasn't sad stuff just for the sake of sad stuff. No, no, it was very explorative of a lot of themes with that. Totally. So, you know, it was still a bit of a bummer, but it wasn't, like, pushing me over the edge, you know? Yeah. I was like, this this scene is a bummer, which it is, and then I could kind of move on. And the voice acting- <laughs> I appreciate The voice acting performances definitely carry a lot of the heavy lifting as well and keeping things nice mm. and light. And then Adam Elliott's writing is fucking superb. How he manages to boil down both of those characters to- those letters like it's pretty much monologues they don't there's no real dialogue it's monologuing and narration and also narration is Mm. a bit of a price of entry as well if you hate people narrating things (laughs) then this film is definitely not for you because there's a lot of narration uh but i really i it's it's like a storybook for me the the narration it kind of had like a very yeah telling the tale kind of quality to it which i really Mm. liked but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Tim Burton uh, has been known to be related to German expressionism, uh, which is what you were talking about with the whole, like, you know, right angles and uh, nothing is specifically... Um, uh, sorry, lack of right angles. Everything is kind of, like, jaunted and uh, a bit off-kilter, lots of monochrome, mm. your blacks and whites, uh, grotesque, long, spindly imagery and things like that. But I would think that, I think that Adam Elliott has kind of found his own sort of style here, especially with the sepia stuff. There's like the way that all the characters move and walk and stuff is, I think, very far removed from German expressionism. It's much more like, well, baby Mary is very like she waddles. It's like a pip pop, pip pop, pip pop. (laughs) And then uh, Max is uh, obese uh, Jewish gentleman. He's got like this real slow kind of Jabba the Hutt-esque movement pace to him, which is, yeah, I think removes itself. For me, it removed that parallel. Like, I didn't make the Mm. Tim Burton comparison because it was just so varied. I'm not saying it's the same. It just gave me that, you know, I I thought it. I wasn't like, this is Tim Burton. He's ripping Mm. off Tim Burton style because there is a huge difference. And there is the, you know... I think everyone in everyone in the film is like pretty like squat. Yeah, almost, yeah, almost they're everyone, pretty except for some uh, of the side stout. characters. Yeah, mm, very spherical. A lot mm, of them, mm. unless except for people who are sort of supposed to be contrasting to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voice acting cast is fucking superb as well. I think I kind of lightly touched mm. on it. Um, we've had uh, fucking hell. Tony Collette uh, voices Mary when she gets older. There's a there's a brief period where Mary is a child and she's. Uh, voiced by it says it in the in the credits. So it was like introducing Bethany Whitmore. Bethany Whitmore. She she would have been like eight. Oh, stop! <laughs> uh, this came out in two thousand. Oh, she would have been ten. 
That's so cute. Uh, Hang on, my my. You just said it's Tony Collette. Yeah. I said when we were watching that, wow, it sounds like Muriel from Muriel's Wedding. Did Tony Collette play yes. Muriel? Yes. Muriel? Oh wow. Okay, I just I news alert from my partner, ladies and gentlemen. Tony Collette played Muriel in Muriel's Wedding, and then while my partner was watching it, she said that it sounds like Muriel from Muriel's Wedding. And it's it's Tony Collette. John has the most confused expression on his face. He's like, what the fuck's Muriel's wedding? Uh just a second. I think he's are you are you trying to figure out what Muriel's wedding is? Oh what? Oh she did play Muriel in Muriel's she wedding. She did. Wait a minute. Oh, I was getting sorry. Oh, fuck! I was getting mixed up with um uh, uh Bethany Whitmore. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Like, sorry, we're not talking about Bethany Whitmore. We're talking about Tony Collette. Here. Like Bethany Whitmore wasn't no, born. Tony Collette. Tony Collette. But we've had Tony Collette before, previously, not in Muriel from Muriel's wedding. Uh, in Knives Out. Uh, it was a bonus, but mm. uh, she plays oh uh, one of the. I think it's an in-law. Yeah, yeah, one of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, Knives Out. The, 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 the Gwyneth like, Paltrow the, like, wanker uh, rich one. Uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow stand. Yes, yeah. And she's got her own health brand, uh, uh, skincare brand and all that. Yeah. Bethany Whitmore, she looks like Cat's actor from Tenet. True, like Elizabeth Debicki. Like a lot. <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, she's still doing stuff. She's Yeah, um, good on her. She's doing TV. So good for her. Man, fucking, we should reach out to these people. These people who are, like, you know, not as, like, famous. We should send them an email mm. and be like, hey, we're doing a podcast. You want to come on and talk about it? <laughs> this is, like, a missed opportunity. <laughs> Bethany Whitmore, what's up? How you going? Look, if they're doing shows with Netflix, they're still too high what class. What are you talking about? The least we could do is send. Hey, an you can email. send the email. You can send the okay, tweet, fine. baby. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do the call to action. <laughs> I'll get Bethany Whitmer on the show. Fucking watch me. You know how acting people talk. So, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know fine. how to. I know how to weave that web. Uh, rounding out the cast as well, we have got Philip Seymour Hoffman. God rest his soul. Mm, um, the Hoff uh, went <laughs> the big Hoffer. I, I don't think anyone ever fucking called him that. What? <laughs> That's uh, called him the Hoff. That's um what's That's his David name? Hasselhoff. That's an Australian dude. Yeah, Hasselhoff. There we go. Is he Australian? Um, he is, is he? No, David Hasselhoff is an Australian. Do we just call him the Hoff? Is that just something that Australians probably do? because like I it. think Baywatch was relatively popular in Australia. I'm pretty sure. Um, and he was right. a, he was a regular in Baywatch. But yes, amazing performance from Philip Seymour Hoffman. He really does mm. get the the energy of Max so fucking perfectly in oh, so his good. words. Phenomenal actor, unquestionably. Mm. And fucking Aaron ba- uh, Eric Banner, Eric Banner man. Like this is Damian Papadopoulos. Distressingly, <laughs> distressingly high high budget cast. I'm wondering if it was expensive. Let me. The budget. Let me have a squish. Yeah. Eight, eight million. Oh, it didn't make that much. That's a shame. Well, it um didn't have a wide theatrical release. It was pretty much exclusively at film festivals and stuff. Yeah, like a little artsy, but also kind of just one of those things that, that you do in Australia to kind of like boost our, I guess, like artistic. Yeah, yeah. Or, or and to be like, we actually make good An investment shit. into the arts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then rounding out uh, the cast in the narration department is our blessed mm. man, Barry Humphreys, 
uh, eclectically known in Australia for playing Dame Edna, um, but probably more well widely known for uh, voicing Bruce in Finding Nemo. Um, mm. He's got a very distinct voice about him, and he nails the uh, the pitter patter of the uh, narration that Adam Elliot has written for the film it's so it's got such a like bum 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 like the stereotypical like british narrator that you have in like a documentary yeah. or like semi uh uh satirical film Peace. or whatever yeah your um your stanley parables yeah, guess, totally. kind of thing. yeah. great and Super, and yeah. i think you're at a huge risk with narrators of them getting fucking annoying by the end Never did that. Yeah. Never bothered me at all. Excellent, excellent fucking bit from uh, the hump. As I'm, <laughs> you're as I hear, suddenly deciding as I hear to people call it. Fucking call everyone in this cast. I'm not. I'm not. The wit. I'm not deciding. It's Beverly Whitmore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the coal. Yeah, the coal. Tony Collette. <laughs> oh, that's great. The band. The band. Okay. Oh, it's anyway. terrible. Um, yeah, they're a great cast. And everyone, like, there's not a dull performance in the whole thing. Everyone is superb, unquestionably. Mm, I think the only complaint I could maybe have is that, like, it's not really a complaint, but Tony Collette is, like, very nice and soft-spoken, and everyone before her is, like, really gross. Gravelly. <laughs> like, and, vocally. Yeah, yeah. They've just got, like, the, like... Uh, like the the person at the post office, like yeah, back here, yeah, like yeah. you know that kind of thing, or extremely dense American accent, yeah. or or the one that voices her mum and she's like, well, I guess that's because she's <laughs> drunk half the time, you know, it's part of the bit. Yeah. But uh, that's a note, actually. By the way, what more of an Australian alcoholic beverage? to get drunk and addicted to <laughs> than cooking sherry. There's something so uh. wildly Australian about that. And I can't, <laughs> like, it. I mean, like, most people would probably go for Goonsack, you know? That seems like a very safe mm. bet. But there's something so unequivocally, like, and I guess it's it's set in the 70s, right? 70s? So, like, I guess that's, you know, Goonsacks probably weren't as big a thing or were a thing uh, at that point in time. I don't know. It's just there was something very, yeah, tangible about mm. that. I was like, yeah, that checks yeah. out. Um, Douglas. Yes. I'm looking at the bloody time. We've been chatting for 26 minutes already. Fucking and, hell, uh, You know, we're not, we haven't ejected half of our listener base yet. That's true. Yeah. Pulling that spoiler siren. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, content warning. Totally. There's some, if you're, if you're dealing Mental with some stuff. Mental health issues. There's some, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this might not be great for you, mm. but if you can hack it, it was, yeah, it was pretty fun. And it's, you know, a thought provoking, I think is maybe giving it a little too much credit, but it was, it explores a lot of fun themes and yeah, it's, it's once again, the first time I've watched a film with this fucking horrible art style that I haven't hated. <laughs> it seemed fitting and good. It's, yeah, uh, I would definitely recommend it. And I think I would go on the opposite side of that coin and say that it's actually quite empowering, I think, for mm. to see these sorts of themes get tackled in such a well-mannered and learned way. Mm. Adam Elliott has obviously really taken a careful approach to tackling uh, the, the subjects and the mental health 
prospects of both Mary and Max and mm. found ways to approach those themes without seeming condescending or pandering or... Yeah, it's not eye-opening or anything like that. It's just good to see themes like this get tackled in film, I guess, is one the my my home base (laughs) if it wasn't quite so crude and depressing it would actually it it sort of has that feeling of like a child child childlike introduction to a lot of this stuff yeah Uh, Mm. but i i think that might then be sort of part of the point where it's like your your claymation is classically associated with children's children's yeah entertainment and you kind of like spin that on its head a little bit to yeah, killer. Yeah, it's good to see that it's not just Wallace and Gromit that can do claymation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, Douglas, if you uh, if you're all out of pre-spoiler thoughts, yeah, I I'm going to bring in film. that spoiler magpie warble. Yeah, that was a good one. Smart that was like one. that. Well done. I like that one. There's a bit where um, Mary is standing outside with the package that like it just gets there in time. Um, with mm. all the the noblets in the box and everything, and there's mm. there's a bird that's like cawing out the, like in the ambient sound of I all think it's that. It's a magpie, and I it's either a magpie or a crow, and it's it, there's just something very yeah. I was like, wow. it's the kind of war. It's the warbly. It's the warbly one. It's the one you hear when you've been playing video games <laughs> through the fucking night, right? It's four thirty. Four thirty. Five a.m. Yep. You hear it and you're like, fuck. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) I did not sleep all night. (laughs) Fuck me. Uh, It's Uh, true. Uh, We didn't cover- A holy Australian experience. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't cover soundtrack uh, very much in the uh, pre-spoiler section. No, we didn't. I uh, noted a lot of the- Soundtrack is mainly comprised of other songs, so pre-existing mm. material. Any new material or original material, sorry, I should say, was composed by Dale Cornelius, mm-hmm. who doesn't appear to have done too much. It seems like his other claim to fame was a film called Backtrack, starring Adrian Brody. Um, Adrian Brody is uh, known for basically everything Wes Anderson. But I learned in researching for the podcast, Mm -hmm. the song The Typewriter, composed by Leroy Anderson, it's legit. Yeah. It it wasn't... I thought that was a piece that was composed for the film. And I was like, wow, what a creative idea to, like, uh, use the typewriter as a percussion instrument. But it's a a legitimate, (sighs) preordained piece of music that was then implemented into the film which it makes it even cooler it's really fun to watch that one there's recordings of it being performed live and it's i think it's the conductor uses the typewriter that's so and then there's like the orchestra behind him it's fucking so good Ah, it's really really fun so i recognize that and it put a fucking grin on my face it's (laughs) there's a kind of effect with animation where you can just like reference stuff and it's just sort of a joke in and of itself you don't which it's like a little lowbrow, I guess. There's the reference to Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. Yep. I caught that with one. With Holly Goliati uh, sitting there. There's- Well, actually, I guess it's not a reference. I wrote it down as a reference, but it's not. But Kesara, I, I, yeah. which I think is played in its original and then is used in uh, 
Potentially the most depressing yeah, scene in the look, film. Yeah, I'm never going to think of Kesarasara the same fucking way ever again after having seen this film. Fuck me. That, that song always feels very depressing to me, regardless. Right. But there is something, there's a very wistful quality about it. Like a, yeah. a longing quality. It's something that someone says that their life is wasting away. <laughs> Kesarasara. And that, that Valium trip, and she's like, got the noose, and I'm yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and my partner were sitting there and and we were like, oh, we're going here now. (laughs) Yeah. The soundtrack is, uh, so I just, I literally did the maths. The composed music for this this film is a smidgen over 21 minutes. Okay. Mm. Which is not a problem in and of itself, but it does repeat a couple of the songs a couple of times, which is a shame. Yeah. Oh, there was, um... There's a song that is I don't know if it's in here. There was a song that was a, a re, like a remix or like a like a reimagining of That's Life by Frankie. Yes, yeah, yeah, a recomposed version of uh, That's Life. Uh that one was really nice. Uh James Last, I believe it was who jazzed it up a little bit. There is a track called Perpetual Mobile, which is a great song. Yes. And it's used for the like kind of almost like called action or you know Cut to Mary and she's doing something energetic and and fun and exciting. Mm, mm. Excellent song. It is unfortunately used, I think, maybe four times during the film. And by the end, I was like- You're like, we're here again. Yeah, yeah. It's like the TV music problem. Like yeah. The TV animation music where it's like, okay, we have a season of this and we have 10 songs and they're all- evoke different emotions and every time that emotion is like the core theme of whatever scene it is they drop that song Whack in, it in yeah if you're watching a show in sequence you're like i get it mm, mm. <laughs> please god something else which was a shame because yeah i did really really like the music i thought it was at the very least it's fun and jovial and interesting mm. through a lot of it which is uh, a contrast that the film sometimes needs yes most definitely i was just trying to think of a tv show that has that sort of quality in its soundtrack and then i realized that spongebob does that a lot uh spongebob mm-hmm. has you know like the goofy song the angry song the the <laughs> fucking the sad song the or like just even like tiny little like five ten second motifs and things spongebob is still you it still does have a lot of really unique tracks totally which, which you yeah do have to give credit for mm. but it's yeah if, if you're looking for it you can tell yeah in in animation especially in like sort of cheaper stuff mm. yeah yeah <laughs> stuff that's being like pumped out for it's, it's like what's the other one the the classic meme where a character needs to be like humming a song or like listening to a song and they're like well we have two original pieces that we can use with this so we're just gonna have the character humming the theme song <laughs> to the show and you're like alright okay okie dokie but yeah it's it's really really sweet the um the bit that really got me was uh it's it's right before Popinopolis and Mary get married and uh-huh. you could hear the ding ding like the German that music right like now. kicking in and I'm like wait a second <laughs> <laughs> That's another, music. that's another amazing, like, this feels so Australian. Of course, she falls in love with the Greek boy. With the, the Greek. <laughs> <laughs> it's Melbourne, after all. And the bit where, like, there's there's Mary's, she's writing the letter about Damien, and then she's like, Mum calls him a wog. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my neighbour can't cross the road because he has homophobia. <laughs> 
Um, I did note that uh, a lot of the sort of jokes and references to- There's lots of heavy stuff and they also sort of play on stuff that's like- I guess playfully racist or playfully yes, yeah. gross as because a joke. You've got the you've got the levity to be able to explore those themes because mm. you've got typical or stereotypical, I guess, Australian parents who are like mm. they fucking racist. They just hate life and they hate people and they hate themselves. So and especially country Australia as well can get pretty <laughs> darn racist. So it's yeah, you have I not. Uh, an excuse to explore those themes, but you've got more credibility to explore those themes, artistic credibility to be able to be like, okay, you can use that without people going, oh, hang on a second. I will concede, just reading the summary for this on paper probably raises a lot of fucking warning bells in a lot of people's minds. Eight-year-old girl, 44-year-old man. Wee woo wee woo. <laughs> Oh, I'm probably, I'm probably like not speaking out of turn, but probably like not fit to kind of comment on this, I guess. But there's maybe the complaint you could have is that that's uh, very much a, but you know, he's, he's sorry. The, the, the thought I was having is it might not be like super cool to be like this guy sort of has like, you know, quote unquote, like a child's mind because he's autistic. Yep. Wait, autism? I thought it was Asperger's syndrome. Asperger's kind of is autism. It's I guess so, yeah. Just, you know, he's doing he's doing fine. He just, like, doesn't socialize with people very well, which is... Mm. <laughs> uh, babe, me too. <laughs> 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 I feel that. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It, as I said, it's just such a great exploration of that theme that, like, it kind of, it doesn't... It approaches it in such a way that you can understand where people who have uh, Asperger's syndrome or autism are coming from. Mm. It like it puts you in their shoes and or this film puts you in a one case of autism and Asperger's syndrome and makes you go, okay, this is how they're thinking about shit, right? <laughs> so fucking like pump the brakes maybe next time, you know? I think that was the distinction. I think people used to say like someone who was just a little you know, literal and the kind of classic Asperger traits, but they can still go about life just fine. We're like classed as having Asperger syndrome and the people right. who okay. have a lot of trouble with being out in public and, and that kind of thing are then classed as work classes, like autistic. And then we're kind of moving on from there. And it's a um, hard thing to define. Mm. <laughs> I am uh, not tiptoeing around this, but you know, it's, it's, Whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Neither of us are mental health professionals, so we can't really (laughs) uh, do the say-so, be-all, end-all on that sort of a subject. But it's, yeah, as I said, it's just a cool thing to to Mm. think about and to explore. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's also nice that, I think, from a writing perspective, uh, Max doesn't write to an eight-year-old girl first, you know? (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) mm, the way that that exchange and that transaction actually starts is uh, a lot nicer than what it could have been, that's for sure. (laughs) Fucking hell. Do you have a favourite sounding word, Jonathan? Testicle, obviously. Testicle? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I like I liked uh, Max's uh, Vladivostok. That was a that is a good one actually. I think actually I think mine's mine's crisp because it starts at the back of your mouth and ends at the front. Ah, crisp. I like talking about Russian terms. Kalashnikov just gives me 
a very pleasant feeling. Yeah. A very pleasant feeling I shouldn't be getting fuzz, from, you fuckhead. from the from the name of a rifle. I should not be <laughs> <laughs> deriving so much pleasure from it. Jonathan, do we need to have a talk or something? Uh, uh, I'm just going to disconnect from the call real quick, Douglas. That's okay. <laughs> i got to make a uh, couple of calls real quickly. Mm. Uh, um, uh, I guess just kind of closing out my thoughts, I liked that they used... You know, they didn't use heaps of it, but they use like real life elements and stuff. They, I think they use real foam, like real sea foam in one of the shots. And yeah. there's also one or two shots where they're like moving shadows, which mm. has got to be difficult. I don't know how you make that work in amongst, if you're using a moving camera and keeping the, but the characters aren't completely still through some of those scenes with the moving shadows. It's... Very this whole film intricate. is a bit of a mind fuck in terms of like the production for me. Like I've done very brief research into how stop motion animation functions and works in a mm. in a production sense. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things where my partner and I were sitting there and we just went, How the fuck did they what? <laughs> the 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 level of skill and talent on display here is fucking absurd. That's for sure. Mm. Mm. So yeah, I think we've I think we've kind of covered everything that I'm thinking. Uh, it was good, and I think I think we could fucking wax lyrical about the themes of the film, but I think they're fairly self evident, and the film kind of yeah makes you mm. think about them yourself. So you don't really need mm. us chuckle nuts, kind of putting it up. Really, yeah, going too deep into it. And you can uh, watch the film and take your own fucking bits and bobs that you need to take away from it. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Well, now for the next 20 minutes, Jonathan and I are going to sit here and go, hmm, at each other over and over again. Mm. Uh, Well, to just hmm it up, Douglas, could you uh, (laughs) just absolutely throw us out of conversation mode? Really slice our our statements up. Maybe you talk for a bit and then I'll say maybe two or three words and then you say a bunch more words for me and we'll just keep that going for maybe the next 10 minutes, if that's okay. That sounds... Like a plan. I had a little bit of a burp coming there, but I swallowed it. Uh, it took 2,400 teaspoons of lubricant to create the ocean when Max imagines himself on a desert island. Uh, <laughs> imagine being the... <laughs> going into, you've got to be going to, like, multiple supermarkets and going, like, I need all the Excuse KY me, jelly you have. Yeah, I need every yeah. bottle of lubricant that you have. <laughs> And then I'm going to go to the next store. Don't yeah. look in the back of my car. <laughs> Cops pull him over. Uh, <laughs> where Bro, are you I'm going, a good night, okay? Yeah, no, you- <laughs> look, I'm filming a porn tonight. I just, I don't, <laughs> That's I'm, the easier explanation. <laughs> I drew the short straw in the production crew and it's a whole thing. You, do you want to come? Um, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> Uh, writer and director Adam Elliott clarified that the character of Max was inspired by a pen friend in New York who I've been writing to for over 20 years. Interesting. I believe that's where the base on a true story. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that. Hopefully he asked the pen friend if it was okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, to yeah that was the theme of the film. film. <laughs> based off that, yeah. Exploitation, uh, Douglas. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, perhaps that moment in the film is catharsis for a, a moment in real life that happened. Uh, artistic uh, freedom, you know, a little bit of a, I don't know, I don't fucking, I don't claim to know Adam Elliott's life. 
Fucking. I don't know this cunt. I don't know this fucking. <laughs> uh, really settling into my true blue nature here. Um, principal for. <laughs> fuck you. Principal <laughs> photography lasted over 57 weeks using 133 separate sets, 212 puppets, and 475 miniature props, including a fully functional Underwood typewriter. This took nine weeks to design and build, which is, you know what? Not half fucking bad. Nine weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 57. If principal photography lasted for 57 weeks, but the actual designing and building it took nine of those 57 weeks, that's not fucking bad. Being a claymation animator, like the actual animator, that's... Fucking painstaking, man. Like, jeez, I really hope they got paid well. Fuck me. Mm. Do do you know what the actual typewriter was? Was it the, like... Oh, did they just have a full-size typewriter and then, like, full-size, like, puppet hands that were... Maybe. 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 I can't say that I know for certain, but I'm sure there's plenty of behind-the-scenes footage on mm. Mary and Max somewhere out in the world. Uh, perhaps on YouTube. <laughs> you never know. Out in the wilderness. <laughs> For those uninformed, the street Lamington Drive is a play on words. Lamingtons are an Austral Asian cake, sometimes used in fundraising activities by schools and other organisations, whereby they are sold in bulk, and such activities are referred to as Lamington Drives. Fuck, I need my Lamingtons again. Um, damn. That sounds good. Yeah, man. Is- I haven't had a Lamington what? in fucking years. Okay, I gotta check this, because Mount Waverley is a real suburb. Yes. I need a- I need to see if... Okay, there's got to be a Lamington Drive. Of course there's a fucking Lamington Drive. Are you kidding me? Uh, you think you think there's not going to be... There's going to be some yobbo in the government who went, Hey. <laughs> oh, wait. That's an art gallery. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, close. Close. Lamington Drive. There's one in... Oh, it's out fucking West Melbourne instead of East Melbourne. Damn it. Oh, that's a shame. Oh. But it exists. So it does. There you go. It's good enough for me. Yep. I'll take it. Philip Seymour Hoffman and Adam Elliott never actually met in person. Hoffman recorded everything in between the production of a play he was working on in London and recorded everything through Skype. Wow. I w- Fucking anything is possible, dude. Like, this is this is like his, like third real production like he's had like two yeah. shorts before this but, and like, like this a bunch is what of i'm tiny saying things. it's as fucking simple as like you you have a product a product that or a project that you're working on and you're like oh i would really love xyz to be in it to fucking just find ways to reach out to them like we we do this thing in our head all the time as creators where we go oh no nah, i couldn't possibly send an email oh no nah, there's no way i couldn't but it's just me there's no way <laughs> but i bet your fucking bottom dollar that adam elliott went to philip seymour hoffman's agent or uh, pr manager or whatever went hey i've got this project here's the script have a read through of it uh, flick it over to Philip Seymour Hoffman and if he's interested in it, then we'll, you know, make magic happen. And I bet that that's how that transaction went down. I will fucking stake my life on that shit. It is like, it's just literally just as simple as just being like, hey, do you want to do this thing? The worst they could do is fucking ignore you or say no. If, you, if they say no, that's even better. They fucking looked at it. They actually took the time to read through the thing that you're looking at and went, no, that's not for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> if we do that, that for the podcast, insane. you would 
best believe we'll, we'll be mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm legitimately keen on reaching out to Bethany Whitmore. Fucking, I it's lockdown's happening. She's got to still be in Australia. Fucking, she's got the time on her hands. Surely, the two five zero, a podcast so good that Philip Seymour Hoffman refused to <laughs> to to guest star it. He's probably got other stuff on his hands, uh, Philip. Yeah. He's, he's a busy little man. Yeah, like being six foot under. Um, mm. The cat That's, bit, that's pretty dark. He was a heroin addict, actually. It's <laughs> pretty oh, bad. Yeah. I don't want to joke about that one. <laughs> we're, we're, we're tipping the line here. Uh, Going to leave you a little break there in case you want to cut that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Edit point. Yeah. The cat shelter that Ivy leaves her money to is named after T.S. Eliot, the author of Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, which was the inspiration for the musical Cats. Ah, that's awesome. I picked awesome. that up. I, that. I remember seeing that. I was like, T.S. Eliot. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. When Mary is crying in her room during her college years, there's an ABBA poster on the wall. Mary is an overweight young adult living with her mother, and in Muriel's wedding... The main character, Muriel, is also an overweight young adult living with her parents and obsessed with ABBA. Mary's voice uh, actress, Tony Collette, also played the part of Muriel, as my uh, partner had <laughs> uh, previously explained to me. But <laughs> 30 minutes ago. <laughs> in studio, yeah. In studio. Uh, one of the very few films on the IMDb 250 to not get a wide theatrical release. I think that I, um, uh, I, I had that premonition but it's good to see mm. that that's confirmed grand poppy ralph is seen wearing swimwear with the phrase life be in it on the front this is a phrase from an australian advertising campaign to get australians more active in outdoor activities such as swimming that's awesome i i i i, I respect that i respect going like life fuck it be in it uh, i'm retired time to do ice swimming sounds sick <laughs> That's fucking awesome. One tombstone over from Ruby's reads <laughs> R.I.P. Adam Elliott, the writer and director of the film. His epitaph reads, quote, very overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I did love the uh, the rhyming, the rhyming little epitaph. That was yeah, yeah, the, wonderful uh, in all of them. Like their uncle or whatever would come mm. to every um, funeral and write some shitty poem that would go on the epitaph. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, so fucking lots of, good. Lots of uh, lots of deaths in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. It's um, apparently it's a very common theme for Adam mm. Elliot is uh, mm. covering death and relationships. Those seem to be mm. his two like themes that he really you're tackles. On thin ice, Adam. Um, you're, you're bumming me out, Mister Elliot. Mm. When the letter from Max is late, you can see that there are snails in Mary's mailbox. Ordinary paper mail is called snail mail, as it is too slow compared to internet-based email. Uh, boom. I just thought that's because you get fucking snails in your mail sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I thought the, the bit was, but that's a, I, that's a nice... So, uh, bravo, Adam. An exhibit of artifacts and clips from the film were presented in France and Australia. In France, the exhibition was hosted by Gaumont as part of the release. In Australia, initially at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image for three months, starting in March 2010, and then toured around Australia throughout 2010 and 2011. And I'm fucking pissed that I didn't get to see it, to be honest. <laughs> I, wonder if there's, I wonder if there's an exhibit somewhere in Sydney. There's got to be an exhibit somewhere in Sydney. Hmm. Of... Hmm... Wonder where that mm. material is being kept. 
wonder how easy it is to steal. I wonder what the card rotation is. Uh, That's uh, your- <laughs> I was thinking, like, could you talk to someone and get and watch the original? But I guess you could just steal it. Sure. <laughs> um, this is the very first animated film to open for the Sundance Film Festival. Wow. Okay. Far out. So fucking yeah, pretty. Huge. Really, there hadn't been one before two thousand. Yeah, nah. open. Before two thousand nine. Oh. So there you go. Um, that's all the trivia that I had, and I think that's pretty much yeah all the trivia that's on um, uh, IMDb as well. It's uh, a little bit slim, obviously, because it's not a triple A whoozy wowzer kind of a film. Um, the other one was that uh, one of the postage stamps is Dame Edna. Um, oh yeah. But I picked that. Um, but also, it doesn't really feel like it. It just feels like something that would happen in Australia. Life what do you mean normal. using Damon as a stamp? A Damon stamp? That yeah. seems I I I'd put money on me being able to go down to the post office tomorrow and get a Damon stamp. Like that's that's not out of the out of the ordinary. <laughs> not at all. out of the question. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, the the writing in this film is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like looking through the IMDb quote section, I'm like, Jesus. There's so many lines that like just slip past me because they like it's just so good all mm. of it you know ah I'm, I'm not even I'm, i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't do philip seymour hoffman justice if i tried to read some of his stuff i couldn't um, possibly let, let alone barry humphrey so i won't mm. but there's it's just it's such a quotable film but i'm um, thinking about it i would i'm definitely thinking about it um was eric banner in the castle i, I want to say that he was i'm not what was sure the castle 1990 something uh, I'm gonna say yes. Ninety-seven was the castle. Eric Banner. There you go. Con Petropolis. <laughs> Dreadfully close and similar to uh, Papadopoulos. Yeah. Well, he has a his actual surname is um some pretty some pretty Greek sounding as well. Yeah. True. Yeah. Banner Dinovic. <laughs> uh. Oh wait. No. Wait a minute. Hmm. He's Croatian. Never mind. Oh, well. I <laughs> take it back. Uh, Good work, dickhead. Anyway, a Croatian and German. Well, that's wow. not Greek at all. Wow. I take, it, I take it right back. But he was born in Melbourne. I think so. It's, look, it's just an assumption is- you can make with Melbourne. It's... The chances of them being Greek are always quite good. He did. He grew up in suburban Melbourne. There you go. He watched Mel Gibson in Bad Back, so they decided to become an actor. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well sorry go ahead well <laughs> well Douglas <laughs> or I guess well everyone else not yeah. Douglas you've heard this a million times before yeah I have if you enjoyed this fucking episode of the 250 <laughs> podcast did you enjoy it Douglas I fucking you better you bloody ripper you bloody ripper you if you enjoyed bad uh, Australian caricatures reasons. of Australian accents <laughs> We <laughs> we supply them every week <laughs> on Tuesday midnight. <laughs> yeah, Australian Easter Standard Time, which comes out to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. <laughs> if you want to contact us directly, you can email us at mail at 250.com or check out our Instagram at 250pod, T-W-O-F-I-V-O-H-P-O-D on Bethany Whitmore, looking at you. Yeah, well- that's on you, dude. That's your <laughs> that's your responsibility for the. That's, you need yeah. to get her on for the next film. The, yeah, it's uh, what's the next? It's a bonus, isn't it? No, 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 no. No, we've already had the bonus. 
Yeah, yeah uh, like four away from bonus. Yeah, the bonus was last week. Um, fuck, what's the next film? Oh no, it's uh, it's Wild Tales. It's um, uh, it's a 2014 film. Fuck. Um, I think it's Bollywood. I want to say it's Bollywood. It is not. It is Spanish. There you go. <laughs> oh, all right. Argentinian. So, what better film to get Bethany Whitmore <laughs> <laughs> than an Argentinian comedy film? Perfect. Um, just, uh, Bethany, get in touch. All right, we'll work something out. <laughs> Douglas, where can people go if they want to see the full list of films? If you want to see the snapshot that we took back in January of 2020, you can open your favourite web browser and type in list.250.com. That's list.twofiveoh.com, and you'll see a colour-coded by genre list of the films that we will be watching for the foreseeable future. <laughs> for the next five years. <laughs> uh, Douglas and I both use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website where bloody good fans of my account is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas. Mine is I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T. That's Ienzo Knight. Whack in Upa, Ienzo Knight, or 250 into the Letterbox search engine, and you will find us. We write written reviews of everything that we watch here on the 250, as well as anything else that we've been watching in our spare time. I most recently watched uh, 2008's Wild Child, starring uh, Emma Roberts, uh, at the, the bequest of my partner. Uh, specifically for the line, uh, you shake the hand of the head girl out of respect. When the head girl has earned my respect, then I will shake her hand. Biatch. And it, I will admit the transaction was much better than what I expected it to be. And the film is so simultaneously stupid like it just falls into like the worst plot holes ever and like it's so fucking roll your eyes predictable but at the same time so fucking smart like it's it i don't get it like there's so many decisions where i'm like wow that was really fucking clever and then there are so many other decisions where i'm like why the fuck come on like why are we Mm. It's like whoever was writing this thing changed hands 15 times. Was it written by more than one person? It wasn't. It was written by one person, Lucy Doll, who never has never done another screenplay other than this. So <laughs> me thinks so she that's how you know have, it's good. Yeah, she might have had a, a, a lovely spanning career after, after Wild Child. <laughs> Uh, that's just on Letterbox. Hang on, actually, let me check the let me check the IMDb. Nope, it's she's only written Wild Child. So, uh, there you go. That was yeah my experience. Um, how about you, Jonathan? Have you watched anything? I haven't. Uh, no, but maybe I'll watch Wild Child next week. Yeah, go fucking go check out. It's only an hour and a half. It's fucking. It's. Uh, there's so many things where I'm like, fuck, that's clever, and then there are so many things where I'm like, why, fuck, ah. Uh, um, hopefully between, uh, this episode and the next episode, I'm going to put a couple of Justin Kurzel films under my belt. Mm-hmm. Jonathan and I were talking about it off podcast, the Assassin's Creed film that came out, uh, about half a decade ago. That's yeah, fucking scary to think about. Yeah. As well as, uh, the Macbeth adaptation directed by Justin Kurzel. Um, I'm a big fan of Macbeth. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes to film format. Mm. So yeah, hopefully I'll smash those two out before the next 
episode. I'm in lockdown at the time of recording, so woohoo. Me too, bitch. Yeah. Well, yours isn't. Douglas yours is isn't government. Gov- yeah, fucking. No, mine is government enforced as well. I guess but so. But for different but reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a populist. Douglas is in Sydney, which is, I gather, one of the most putrid, disease-ridden places on planet Earth. At the literally. Moment. It's, it's like gone from zero, <laughs> literally zero to a hundred. So fucking fast. <laughs> Whereas uh, all I've got to deal with is that my partner came back from another state, so I need to so isolate along chill with out, her. So. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> fucking excited for the Suicide Squad, dude. I oh, keep seeing yeah. it come up when I hop on. It looks- like, it's coming up, isn't it? Like, Suicide Squad, I think it's like a month away. Whoa. No, it's not even that. It's like a couple of weeks Holy away. Holy shit. Suicide Squad was like trying to be really serious. And in this one, they've got a, a superhero called Polka Dot Man <laughs> and John Cena playing as like Peacemaker. Yeah, Peacemaker. Who has like a gold um, helmet. Did they get, and- did they get oh. Boomerang Guy? Boom- uh Fucking what's his name? Captain sure. Boomerang. They did. They sure. did get Captain Boomerang. All right, good. Are they going back again? <laughs> He, well, he obviously needs to survive right to the end. Good. Uh, everyone's like, I was, there was like a, I think it was like an Instagram ad or something. And everyone was so negative And they're like, the reviews already show how bad this film is. I'm like, the film has come out. What the what fuck the are you fuck? talking about? Jesus. But the actor, the actors are like all star. Idris Elba is in. And people were just mad that Will Smith wasn't in it. And I was like, Will Smith was the best one in that film. But we have- Sylvester Sloan, John Cena, Idris Elba, Margot Robbie is back again, Taika Waititi, Nathan Fillion, Stallone. guys, and it looks like it has so much more fucking creativity than the last one did. They're actually like pulling a Deadpool and like chilling it out it's a just bit. Gonna be going, stupid. Like, Let's be silly with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I because it's, because it's a comic book stupid. movie. And it should yeah, be yeah, this yeah. Um, I'm oh, very excited yeah, to, to see what that's about. Rest assured- I'm so fucking hyped Rest this. assured we will discuss uh, Suicide Squad upon release here on- If it's good enough, we'll do a bonus. Yeah, if it yeah. sucks, it will never be discussed again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a great thing about this film is that it's going to be a kind of a win-win either way. You're going to have shit to talk about if mm. it sucks. You're going to have shit to talk about if it's good, you know? I think from my experience with the Harley Quinn film, it, yeah- well, that film had some, like, bits that were a bit weird, and it wasn't a perfect movie, but I found it very, very interesting and very fun, and I think this is- this looks like it's just continuing to amp it up. I still gotta watch that. Yeah, it's- I- I- uh, to- to summarise what I said before, it is- it's fun. Mm. It's fun. It's, like, not an amazing film, but there's a lot of fun ideas in it, and uh, I had a good time. Yeah. yeah. No complaints. Totally. I'll, um, I'll- I mean, some complaints, actually. I take that yes. back. But- <laughs> I, I can't remember which episode it was that you talked about it. You, but you have oh, talked about it on the 250 before. So. Fucking hell, this prologue is going for like eight years. Uh, this prologue, this uh, epilogue. There you go. I was going <laughs> to say, we're doing a film podcast and Jonathan doesn't even know the difference between a prologue and an epilogue. Good night, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Right, take them out. Give them the da 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 Do the applause. You beauty. I want to do like Australian stuff, but we kind of got distracted. Um, uh, put a, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Do not get Eddie McGuire. Hi, I'm Eddie um, McGuire. No, no, no. I'm using. I'm using the. That's from. I think the Price is Right or from like. Yeah, the. Da, 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 is Price is yeah. Right. It's it's playing right now. Oh, okay, right. Okay, very good. Yeah, it's still it's playing. playing us out. I actually don't know how long the song is. We're gonna get copyright for <laughs> using the Price is Right. We didn't the- get one from last. Well, we haven't got one from last. <laughs> you don't really get copyright. 
Copyright strikes aren't really a thing in podcast In podcasting, world. I guess just, not, because it's like... It's like, here's, a, here's an audio file that we put on the fucking internet. Yeah, and also, like, creative usage or whatever, right? Like, there's got to be... I don't know, there's probably some clauses about that. Anyway, um, good night, ladies and gentlemen. Well, the... 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 <laughs> the Price is Right song just ended, so it's our time to leave. Okay, well, we'll see. And have a have a wonderful night. Um, shalom. Now it's time to play the feud. <laughs> play the, play feud. the feud. All right. All right, I'm stopping it. <laughs>